Welcome back to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. Uh, that's right, Brandon. In every episode, as, as long-time listeners will know, but, but new listeners will not, uh, we do a brief episode overview coming up very shortly, followed by a three-word episode review. We analyze what happens on the pitch, what happens off the pitch, which is sometimes more interesting, and the main theme of the episode, try and break that down a little bit. We, of course, follow this at the end with a little bit of pub trivia, some some notes that I took as I was writing the script, little nuggets that you might not have picked up on, and finally crown a winner-winner football dinner to establish who firmly controlled the episode and raised their stock. So today we're covering Season 2, Episode 5, Rainbow. And so as we begin Act 2 of this season, Ted Lasso, it's clear that Ted's meta rom-com narrative at the beginning of this episode reflects how many people are taking in the show. So let's go on an adventure down to Nelson Road Stadium, a Rolling Stones-heavy episode of Ted Lasso. That's right. If you also want to rock, you can uh, engage with us on social media, right? Uh, At Pod Underdogs on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We uh, want to continue the conversation, especially with the pub trivia and any nuggets that you picked up that I might not have. All right, well, let's dive into the episode the best way we know how, and we start the episodes off with a three-word episode review. Here we go. Dan, you want to go ahead and kick us off? There's levels to this, and I missed it, so yours is... Kent goes Grant. Hmm. Roy Kent goes Hugh Grant for this episode because of the rom-communism that is injected into it i think i'm going to be thoroughly educated on what the hell i actually missed in this episode is nick smiling widely what was your sir big dog acquired okay it, yeah we'll get into it all right i put reality sets in i think a lot of characters are facing some some situations and maybe kind of finally confronting <laughs> said situations um but that was probably far too literal so anyways quote fairy tales do not start nor do they end in the dark forest that son of a gun always shows up smack dab in the middle of a story end quote yeah this is where this is exactly where we're at i mean the, the meta commentary for this not only having all of the romantic comedy narratives running through the episode but the fact that he flat out tells you where they are at in this part of the story uh, is is really cool, and I think for for those who are like, I don't know, Dan, for those who are struggling with the narrative of this season compared to where they were last season, and maybe it's not as straightforward or linear as last season was, I, I think this is a really good reminder that there's still a lot of episodes to come, and that right now they are kind of in a difficult place. I mean, we said at the end of, uh, or the beginning of the last episode, that they, they were on like 20 two or 26 points or something like that. I mean, they're near relegation. We're reminded of that again in this episode. So Dark Forest is both for the team and for the individuals, uh, I think, personally. Absolutely right. And what we're finding ourselves in now is that we're seeing the storylines started at the beginning of the season come to a bit of a head in a few of these. We're seeing... Dr. Sharon Fieldstone and Ted continuing to face off a little bit in the right approach or the wrong approach to a situation on Isaac in particular, which we'll talk about in more detail. We're seeing how Roy is finding his new sense of employment and what it's like to be away from football, Rebecca's relationship status. I mean, all of these things are finding some level of midterm solution or resolution. And I, I think you're seeing the What's the plateau we're going to get to now that then they can take off from the remainder of the season? Well, let's go ahead. We always kind of break it into two parts, on the pitch and off the pitch. 
Um, so we're going to go with on the pitch, much like last episode, because not a lot happened. So let's just go ahead and get the formality out of the way. Uh, Richmond are in a dark forest. That episode starts off with the team in a film session reviewing the team's most recent defeat. Jan Moss makes a horrific mistake to gift the opposition a goal. The team gets a rom-com pep talk from Ted. And that was about it. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing that we saw was was at the very end of the episode, but that's you know a product of off the pitch, so we're kind of saving that for a storyline in the next episode. But, I mean, like we said earlier, this is the continuation of bad play from this squad. I mean, they were relegated last season. They're down at the bottom of the championship this season. They're they're kind of doing a Sunderland, if you will, um, and, and you hope that they have enough to kind of stay in the division right now. And, you know, it's clear that, Promotion is nowhere close to being on the table. So uh, that is uh, that's kind of where they're at. And the other thing on the pitch is like I think their lack of results, Brandon, is making this team uh, angry and angsty and not confident. And they're kind of lashing out at each other. And that's not something you saw a whole lot last year. Usually it was just Jamie stirring the pot. Now it's Mm -hmm their own performances that are leaving them bare, you know? Yeah. And I think we'll kind of get into Isaac, obviously in the next section, but he, you know, has a really, uh, coming to moment because, you know, anytime you're on a, on a football or soccer team, really any team sport for that matter, you need a leader to when you're in these choppy waters to lead by example or to sacrifice himself, to put the team ahead, to show humility and kind of that team first attitude And, you know, Ted was addressing it right away, saying, you know, lack of leadership. What do we do? How do we get his head right? Um, And I don't think they wanted to go to the doctor right away. (laughs) They're like, no, 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 we got this other idea, this plan, which, again, unfolded off the pitch. We won't get into it. But, I mean, that's what you need. You know, uh, there's still typical team problems uh, going on, um, I think, throughout this entire season, which has been uh, a great balance of to how you set this up, Nick, on the pitch and off the pitch. There's two sides to, uh, you know, this this storyline and, um, you know, very common, common things happening here. So uh, if, so now if we flip to off the pitch, searching for confidence in this in this part. So we'll kick it off with Nate, Dan. Uh, Nate is having a crisis of confidence. First, he can't get the window table at his parents' favorite restaurant, um, obviously he tries to go get help, right? He's, he's just, he's quiet. He stutters. Uh, he kind of murmurs sometimes he, he doesn't deliver ideas or much of anything with real confidence. Yeah. You get to see, and he actually even starts earlier in the episode too, you know, when they're walking out of the film room and everybody's getting, you get a free Nespresso machine and you get a free mm-hmm. Nespresso machine. And then Nate's the Oh, great. This would be really good. And Keith is like, ah, no, no, no. This is for the players. This is not for the coaching staff. And he's like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't like, you know, free coffee. That would taste, taste terrible. Yeah. He's as if it was like from a hotel lobby or something like that. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is your, uh, you know, Holiday Inn Express, you know, uh, brew and the craft there. This is, uh, you know, a little, a little bit of a step up. But in general, this is a nice opportunity to see Nate pushed a little bit and maybe starting to unpack Nick a little bit of the challenges that he has faced this season where he's maybe had to put on a front and you're starting to see that like actually inside he is the same person, even if he's become a little bit of a a hard ass in his, uh, his role and position on the team. No, he's going through what a lot of us go through that I've gone through in my professional career, which is imposter syndrome. You know, he, he wasn't a coach. 
he he got named coach because he was around the squad and Lasso and Beard liked him to be on the team. But we don't even know if he has his coaching licenses or anything. I mean, you know, th- this is a this is a guy who I think was knocked down three times in this episode. Obviously, with the coffee, then Ted telling him that he isn't a big dog, right, and that he needed to find another person to talk to Isaac, and then uh, and then the third time was was at the restaurant and. Each time, you know, he's getting knocked back and knocked back and knocked back. He has to try that much harder to get back to where he was previously. And that has to be hard. I mean, I I can't imagine, you know, being in his position, kind of faking it until you make it and then realizing that, oh, maybe I'm not the maybe I haven't grown all the way yet. You know? Yeah. So he turned to Keely and Rebecca coaching him up uh, again, going to people who he probably wouldn't have normally sought advice from them. Uh, and again, these tactics, like what, what in the world, especially <laughs> Rebecca, you're like, I'm sorry, you were a super successful businesswoman and running a football club and that's how you psych yourself up. <laughs> like, uh, it, it, that's cool too. Cause it shows that she's just not this amazing, confident person all the time. And sometimes she has to figure out a different way to like get herself motivated. The one of the lines of the episode was, was Keely after that bear pose thing that she did, Going, fuck, you're amazing. Let's go invade France. (laughs) (laughs) I love that quote. That was so good. Actual rallying of the troops right in front of our eyes. Um, Well, I'm glad he ended up going through the the trials. And, you know, spoiler alert, he he got said table after a a self-pump-up session in the bathroom. Um, But then Danny crashed right back to Earth. You know, he's on top of the mountain, cloud nine. He succeeds, he's overcome a challenge. Wearing and, the suit, like he looking good, feeling good. Yep, impressing the parents, and then comes back to work, and there's a new assistant coach added to the team. Which, you know, I know recording this on the eve of a wonderful win over Arsenal, where Nick Verlaney made a wonderful prediction, and this Again, uh, is a callback <laughs> to a prediction I made in the start of our uh, little Lasso Underdogs experience that uh, this individual would become a coach. That is true, and I mean, it's like... Is Nate really, I mean, are you that surprised? Are you really that concerned? I mean, it's like professional footballer, Champions League winner with Chelsea. Like, you kind of lucked into it, but it doesn't mean you can't coexist. He, he, you bring all this off-the-field experience. This to-be-named person brings a lot of on-the-field experience, and and but he's going to at least have to address it, right, and, you know, work through it, and hopefully he can get some confidence from his his manager that says, no, 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 you have a role to play. Here's how it works. All right. Said new assistant manager, Roy Kent. Interesting, interesting guy. Again, the character development, the things he gets himself into. Just, I usually don't see these things coming. So I really enjoy what they do uh, with this character. So Ted visits Roy at his favorite kebab shop to help him get Isaac's head straight he offers him an assistant coaching job, which Roy turns down straight away. He then asks his perspective on how to get Isaac out of the slump he's in. It's an interesting situation, Nick. I mean, how this this roller coaster of a of a, of a scene and, and and engagement went was quite eventful. Well, yeah. After Ted turns down Nate to to give Isaac advice, he goes to the big dog. Roy is the big dog, right? And it's yeah. the former captain of the team. It makes total sense that he would go to him. Uh, There are two things about this kebab scene that are absolutely incredible. The first is Roy's review on on the picture on the wall is yum. Roy Kent, 
unbelievable. It's so, it's so good. Uh, destroyed me on first watch. To be watch. fair, like, I'm surprised they even got <laughs> yum out of him. Just <laughs> amazing. And then the second thing is when he sees Ted, the line that he delivers with just the most hatred in his, in his mouth was, uh, Keeley told me to suspect a mustachioed surprise that would anger me. I thought it was going to be Wario or my great aunt Natalie. <laughs> what an unbelievable line delivery this was. Uh, both are incredible, but obviously the point is that Ted wants to get back in Roy's good graces. Remember, Roy's avoided him, Dan, the entire season so far. Hasn't seen him once, and so this is like the re-entry point. They locked eyes, right, when he was riding the lawnmower with the ground screw guys, he picked up Keeley. Peeled off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I do enjoy the fact that Roy referred to the kebab shop as his church. And <laughs> like, you know, I mean, when you find a spot like that, you know, it does become a little bit of a sanctuary and, uh, you know, to kind of step into holy ground, sacred territory to this individual to disrupt their ritual, to make this request, you know, it, it is of an urgent need and moment. And look, I, I think it just, it, it describes a relationship perfectly where, you know, Ted will just come in and be like, look, I'm willing to do whatever you do. Like, give me what he ordered. What advice do you have for me? Like, I'm not going to ask you to force you to do anything that you don't want to do. But like, I really think that this person would benefit from you. And just trying to draw connections and bring people together, which is, you know, I mean, we kind of talk about like Roy being the glue previously last season. I mean, Ted Lasso is the ultimate you know, super glue. He's the gorilla glue of everything and can kind of mm -hmm. pull everything into his orbit. You know, like uh, I think about, uh, Katsumar Damacy, like a game for like the PlayStation back in the day where you like just rolled stuff into a ball and it kept on getting bigger and bigger. That's like what Ted Lasso does. He just rolls everything together. All right. So that was interesting. And, uh, you know, he's like, <laughs> Roy, I want you. He also had that very honest exchange. Like, no, I don't want you unless it's what you want. You know, he's like, yeah, do I want you? I do. But your heart has to be in it. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So, again, it's one of those things of like, hey, you have to think about it from your personal perspective. Is it something that I'm willing to chase? Is it something that is it passions me? If not, then we don't need it. Don't do it. Don't do it for yourself. This is Ted Lasso, I think, at his very, very best, right? He's playing 3D chess with Roy, who is admittedly a little bit more of a checkers guy, frankly. Uh, and he's saying, you know what? Keep being a pundit. You could do that for the rest of your life. And he says that in such like a positive but also kind of condescending tone where it makes Roy realize that, like, I don't want to be a pundit the rest of my life. That sounds terrible. Like, I'm I'm having an all right time right now. Uh, but, you know, people tweet about me. <laughs> yeah. And they use GIFs, by the way. That made me so angry. That pronunciation. Oh, God. Details. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, and then it evolves, right? So Roy accepts the job. Uh, it takes Isaac uh, and meets with Ted. Uh, to take Isaac back to the basics of having him play street football, right? So it's a small 3G pitch, artificial turf for us in America, under a motorway, an interstate bypass. You know, I've just got to make sure I, I hit both selections of go. our audience. Nice. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's under the floodlights. It's got like the metal cage around it. You know, it's got a little bit of the Nike 2002 Scorpion underground yep. feel to it. Yep. And... You know, Isaac's like offended that Roy would bring him to this place with a bunch of amateurs, to which, Dan, the exchange is electric. Well, he 
he brought he said kind of that uh i brought you here to remind you that football is a fucking game with the fuck your feelings fuck your overthinking fuck that shit and get back out there and go have some fucking fun uh because he kind of highlights it. like this is where he would go when he was out of sorts and because that's where he grew up and it was his home turf and yeah i think also probably didn't want to be embarrassing by uh bringing his friend and uh letting his friend get uh pounced upon like uh, the the scene that leads into this too, where they're just walking down this dark underpass, and the text lights up, and Roy's face is there, and they like jump back, like they're so surprised. It's epic. I mean this this little pep talk, where like they they they're obviously focusing on on Roy and Isaac having this pep talk, right? But then they flash to Ted, and Ted gives him like the little like knowing glance, like, oh yeah, this dude's gonna be an amazing coach, like. That that's the 3D chess. Like he basically set up Roy to start his own coaching career by himself. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And it was great because you know Isaac was getting dumped. You know he he got hip checked. Was it a foul? Of course, it's a foul. But guess what? They don't have there a Fouls. referee. <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing. And um, you know he kind of remembers like, no, you have to ride the tackles. You have to overcome the obstacles, and you just have to play. And it was kind of funny because the physicality immediately ceased and the Joga Bonita just started and everyone was just techers all around. Um, but it was good to see, you know, him have the success again. I would like to start a petition that every single goalkeeper in a movie is made to look like an absolute buffoon. And I think <laughs> it's unfair and it's unrealistic. But here we are, um, the prizes and then. <laughs> Can I can I quickly shout out my guy Cola Bocchini who who plays Isaac? There are some moves in there, my man. For for a larger stout individual, there are some there are some decent skills in there. I like that. So the last thing I want to touch on the scene uh, is just that Ted's like, "Cool, Roy, what can I do?" He's like, "Not a damn thing." He's like, "All right, I'll keep score. Fine, you can keep score with both hands. Zero zero, nil nil." <laughs> <laughs> perfect so he kept score with both hands quite well um so then we kind of touched on this right but this is when roy realized that he misses every part of football like ted got him to bring isaac to his safe place to his you know i would probably say like hit the the roots of where it all began and it just physically jarred him into realizing that he loves football and so he abruptly after giving a bit of a kind of a telling off to the rest of the pundit panel saying stop predicting you don't know what he's gonna do you don't know what's gonna happen you don't know what's in training what he's trying to do he goes so we just make stupid predictions we get to halftime we fix those predictions make more stupid predictions and we go to it full time we do it all over again and he certainly just wash it like takes the legs right under jeff and, and kamara and and everyone that's there it it is a if you've watched soccer for a long time everybody is thinking this who watches soccer coverage everybody it was so perfect and the fact that they they got the sky sports panel to let them do this even though this is their job like is is so cool uh i i loved every part of that speech what you just said right we, we make a prediction about these little pricks and then we get mad at these little pricks when they don't do what they what we said they're gonna do. It's just so perfect and so what so so well done. And I loved when when Roy realizes what he has to do, the romantic comedy thing snaps back in 
Jeff Stelling goes, Roy, wait. And Roy, Roy looks at him and goes, Jeff, I have to do this. And it was so great. It was amazing. It was a very well put together scene for the escape back, the realization, you know, it's the scene where someone's at the altar and then they yeah. realize that that's not, that's not the person they're going to say I do to and spend the rest of their life with. And they're going to go run through the city, you know, uh, dressed up for the day and get to be back with the person they really meant to be with. And then tying it to Isaac, who, uh, in case you missed it. So he took over the captaincy from Roy when Roy, I don't think he retired. I think he just he walked did. away. Oh, yeah, that's right. The crying press conference. That's right. Yeah, he did. Officially retired. retired. Yes. Um, so look, Isaac has been under pressure as the captain. Again, when the team doesn't do well, the captain, the coach, right, they become the the focus of a lot of it. And he began lashing out at his teammates, which now you're starting to the blame game versus building a cohesive unit. Again, very common and like very relatable to us fans watching teams happen. So we realize he's clearly not himself and he's in desperate need of another big dog like Roy to get him back at his best. So we touched about this. And I think, again, it's just an opportunity to say kudos to him for being willing to listen to Roy in a key moment, right? He could have said, nah, fuck this. I'm out. I don't need this. But he embraced the advice because he respected Roy, hence the big dog mantra throughout the episode. Uh, it has to be said, any Aluko is, is yes. in this episode. And it was such a pleasant surprise to see her again, former Chelsea player. Um, so Absolute star. Uh, lo- love her. But um, absolutely fantastic uh, little bit of skill with her. D- little dummy allows her to score, then does the boot shining celebration uh thought that was was epic dan but perhaps some of isaac's best work in this episode were the pregame handshakes well yeah there was a quite a little uh nod to team chemistry and uh fun ways to get that done in the warm-up to the the next match based upon the new move that isaac walks away with so those were uh, very well done all right um and then kind of what happened well, that's fine. So anyways, moving on to Ted, which, again, for being the main character, he has shared the spotlight a lot and almost becoming, I wouldn't say supporting character, right? But like the connector character, everything runs through him throughout these other character developments. It's, I don't know, again, I'm a rookie at this, really impressive. But Ted doesn't know how to get through the dark forest uh, with his team as they continue to underperform. Instead of asking Dr. Sharon, he's not there yet, to help with Isaac, he searches for a bit of confidence elsewhere, and it seems like him and Coach Beard were on the same page. They kind of knew what they were looking for with this big dog approach, clearly something that they had done before. Um, and then Dr. Sharon is now on the offensive mm-hmm. when talking to Ted. So, Dan, she's checking on him, asking how he's doing. He's like, no, I'm great. We're doing great. Everything's great. And again, you don't really believe it. You don't. He doesn't believe it. But here we are still playing the game. Um, as he continues to try to find the right balance of managing his his team. Well, and he's not going to get it right every time, but he gets it right this time. You know, he realizes that he needs help, but he doesn't want to go through the good old doctor. He wants to go through the route of player personnel management through another player. And so he is willing to admit his shortcomings in certain areas, but not with others. And it'll be interesting to see when he does finally take uh, Dr. Sharon Fieldstone up on the offer 
for a sit down or a meeting. And I doubt it actually happens in the office. I bet it happens somewhere where Ted thinks of it more as a, uh, a safe spot. So the, the pub, pub is probably where, yeah, where it'll happen. Uh, I, look, I mean, it, it's, it's not hard to see that Ted is continuing down a dark path. I mean, it, there, there was a thread on Reddit, I believe that, you know, there's a lot of theories about where Ted's character is heading and, you know, a, a lot, a lot of that stuff. And, and frankly, I don't buy all of it, but I think the fact that he was so upbeat, so effusive, uh, and, and, and confident heading into the, the match, uh, after having, you know, kind of a resurgent Isaac, you know, kind of dapping everyone up seemed a little bit like a front, right? I mean, it was, it was clearly, you know, something that he was recovering from. We remember that he was obviously, uh, down in the dumps, uh, on, on, during the Christmas episode and, and very, very drunk and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I think that was, that was very much a front. Although I would say in this episode, he seemed to have a lot more mojo because he was in a very comfortable situation. He was dealing with team dynamics, right. And not his own interpersonal stuff that he has going on. And so the fact that he was able to help people, I think is a huge boost to his, you know, it was like a shot of dopamine for him. But it's clear that he's not right, uh, he, that he's not his his best. And when they do square off, it's going to be very interesting to see what the result is because he has he has some pretty high walls to climb. Yeah. Dan, anything you want to touch on the the Ted journey? Well, I think we should talk about Rebecca. Oh, OK. Well, on that note, uh, Rebecca had she's distracted at work, you could say. <laughs> uh, a lot of head down, a lot of thumbs clicking and clacking. Because Rebecca's searching for confidence as she tackles dating via Banter, the app that Keely's asked all the players and her to to get on. Remember, there's no pictures, right? It's just personality is supposed to be the idea. Nothing superficial. Well, new so, sponsor for the club, too. Yeah. Yeah. Keely's crushing it. So even though she's this powerful, strong woman with an impressive bear pose, she's not as confident in finding a soulmate. So this... Uh, is shown specifically when she puts herself out there and then throws the phone down quickly. Keely tries to get her to break out of her shell multiple times. It's just she doesn't know how much to give and how much to to take and and kind of what that balance is for her. And anyway, you just see her smitten a few times, quite a few big smiles and and kiddish giggles. I would say throughout the episode. Yeah, I mean th- this is. This is the area in which she is least confident, right? I mean, she got, she had a really bad relationship with Rupert and got burned. And now she's on the search for something completely different, the other direction, right? Um, and so it's, it's interesting to see you know, a really, really confident person struggle with something like opening up. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, something that I think everyone goes through at, at some part of their, their life. But, uh, it, you know, there's a lot of people, I think even Meg Reyes said, every girl knows uh, the the struggle of sending a risky text and then throwing your phone away. <laughs> I thought that was a really good tweet that she sent out. Um, and it's it's just, you know, kind of where she's at as a, as a human being. You see the flip side of that when she's helping Nate try to be more confident, right? Because that's like a just like Ted, I can solve this problem. I can't solve this. Well, my first thing was, I'm going to, I'll buy the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, no, no, uh, I, I'll book, I, I'll call to book it for you. And then, oh no, it's this other place. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just go buy them. Like the, the, the type of solutions that she is able to present in her real life or her work life are much different than her real life 
available options. That does remind me that uh, <laughs> Nate tried to name drop Roy Kent to get the table. Is, He's like, does that count? They go, let us know if Roy's interested in the table. I love I love the line that she gave back. Is Roy your dad? Yeah. No. Uh, clearly not. So yeah, Rebecca's out there doing that. And then who's she texting? Perhaps we have a hint. What ridiculous editing did the show put in there to conveniently see Rebecca texting with a smirk on her face? No way. Then jump cut to Ted checking his phone with a big smirk on his face and he dropped in his pocket all, all, you know, like giggly diggly and just uh, right, like too easy. Like, nah, maybe. I don't know, man. I, don't I think know. it's a red herring. I, it, it very well could be. It, it could also be a extraordinary moment of comic relief when, if if it is in fact their their connection on banter, the absolute shenanigans that will ensue could be a very nice, lighthearted part of a future episode. Well, in case you missed it, the main theme was rom communism in this episode. So. While episode two, Carol of the Bells, took inspiration from so many classic Christmas movies and shows, the fact that this episode was staged inside of a rom-com plot was, as Nick put it, genius. References. Dan, is this your top ten list of movies, or is this in the script unique? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, look, there's uh, Sleepless in Seattle, You Got Mail, Notting Hill, Jerry Maguire, When Harry Met Sally, The Princess Bride, <laughs> The Shining, and Showgirls. Uh, I think Nick pulled this from the NPR article talking about yeah. where all the references came from. But no, they, I mean, they did a great job pulling from it. I think the one, uh, the Harry Met Sally one, is the interview in the stands, which is the most awkward cut um and probably the hardest one to place but in in general some of these are you know you you, you had me a coach rather you know like the the jerry Maguire one is just is so well done like all all of this like that whole scene from him leaving the studio to arriving on the pitch taking in the ground and speaking to ted about joining the staff was uh Magical. My my favorite one was when when they were in the dark alley and Ted was talking to Roy about being a coach. He's like, "Look, s- sometimes you wait your whole life to know that you want to coach with someone. Sometimes you want your whole life to start ASAP." And the fact they just did the perfect rom rom com like shift in camera and all this. It was just it was absolutely fantastic. And I, I think the you know we we don't have to hang on this one too much, but. The fact that they shot this episode with all of these characters that we know and love, with the plot continuing from the previous episode, or actually two episodes ago, and they did it in a style reminiscent of movies that we've all seen, shows that there are fucking layers to this game, there are levels to this game, and they are playing at an elite, absolutely elite level. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. I don't remember the last time a show did something this crazy. Maybe it was Scrubs with some of their musical episodes or something like that. I mean, it is just so cool, so interesting, so different. Uh, and I, I tweeted this out this week. I, I know it's weird to say this. I am so proud of a show that sticks to their guns and tries to do something different, even if it doesn't work. But I mean, clearly this worked. I, I think everyone loved it. Because it's just, it's what we need. We need different. We need interesting. We need funny. We need dynamic. And they're they're just out there just remaking our perceptions of TV every single week and pushing the boundaries. I love it. Yeah. No, it is. It, again, it, there's layers to this. I think we've said that a couple of times and it is there. Uh, and then we get another 
massive engagement on the socials <laughs> with the Ted Lasso account. Uh, and this one, it was uh, Roy Kent's, what, what do you call it, Dan? Like a, an alias? Is that what yeah, you should call it? It's, it's the way that he would leave a ticket without Roy needing to have his own name used for leaving a ticket. And so Ted had gone through a list of country music stars, including Dolly Parton and others, but it was Reba McIntyre for this episode. And she responded to the show, said, I believe you're holding a ticket for dot, 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 at Ted Lasso. And then she's a nice little photoshopped picture of her in front of the Ted Lasso blue Reba McIntyre in red lasso. I love that. It's again, all like you want to talk about just breaking through the cultural zeitgeist. I mean, this is now the third or fourth time this has happened. Barbara Walters being the most recent uh, edition of this, but the fact that they have these incredibly popular people like Reba McIntyre is one of the like highest grossing recording artists in a country music setting of all time. And she's seeing the show and going, oh, yeah, this is something I got to capitalize on. Uh, It's amazing. It's so well done. Well, Nick, Ted responded. Uh, Allow me to to say this. It's so good. Buy me a dancing dress and call me fancy. You're welcome at the dog track anytime, Reba. We'll leave your tickets under Roy Kent. Wink (laughs) face. Perfect. I love that. All right, let's go ahead and as we start to wrap it up with the Crown and Anchor Pub Trivia. These are weird questions and observations. Again, Nick, this is your baby, so I'm going to step out of the way. Uh, but All right, a handful of questions here. These are little quips and things that are, are, are out of the, uh, the mainstream. What gift did Ted give to Nate at the beginning of the episode to save the team? Uh, this is a, a, a really good and funny little quip they added. Uh, I thought this was great from Higgins. What does Higgins say the best brand is? Mm-hmm. Third question. What does Roy's review of his favorite kebab place say? And and if you listen to the episode already, then you already know this, but you might go rewatch. Fourth question. What do you get when you cross an elephant and a rhinoceros? It's an important question that we all need answered. Fifth question. Ted says it should only take as long as which song to get ready in the morning. <laughs> uh, if you're, if you're a male, obviously. And then the sixth and final one, which I thought was an incredibly uh, interesting and funny little quip they put in. What does a British owl say? We've been waiting for this joke for now two episodes to get the payoff and they executed this perfectly. All right. So let's wrap with any surprises. Dan, you've got one. I just in the the fact that when they're having the conversation and Ted Lasso mentions Gina Gershon, Roy Kent responds with, I dated her once, <laughs> which was, uh, uh, and the, just the, the fact that he was, uh, Ted was so happy for him that that was the case was quite nice. I like that one. Uh, I put Roy is loaded. He is throwing cash around in jewelry. And like, do not forget, it was just an episode ago that he bet Phoebe and Kelly a thousand pounds each that within was it the first 10 or 12 doors, there wouldn't be a dentist in his neighborhood. So uh, again, Roy doing well for himself. Uh, loaded is what I would say. Uh, and then also just a random actual shout out to Gary Hayes, our buddy. And in the Chelsea community, he was boozing around where that green pub was in the show. Very cool. That's awesome. Which just means next time we go over there, we're going to get to go do the same thing. Going on the lasso tour, you say, huh? All right. Nick, last one over to you. 
Uh, this was a very uh, quick thing, and because I'm very detail-oriented, I noticed it right away, and it killed me. The rickshaw guy uh, from the um, whatever under underprivileged children's fundraiser, where you know the boss and and Keely got in at the end, and we're riding around the rickshaw. Um, that makes an unexpected appearance in this episode when Roy hurts his knee again and the guy has to take him all the way to the stadium and he does the same little, little honk thing. Uh, it was, it was wonderful to see that little callback, uh, to season one. I just, I absolutely loved it and, uh, really, really pleased that they're connecting some of those dots for like super fans. All right. Well, now to wrap, we've got winner, winner, football dinner. Who won the episode? Guys, I don't even need to write this in. All right. You both said it. Dan, explain why you think Keeley won. (laughs) Gosh, you're just sandbagging me. Uh, He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. Roy Kent, Roy Kent. Clean sweep on that one. Pretty straightforward. And that takes his tally to two with Jamie one, Sam one, and Higgins one. So uh, I laughed last episode. We might just have, you know, 12 different winners at one time each, but no, Roy is back on top. I mean, his selfless oh. acts of service to uh, uh, to Isaac, um, to him having that self-realization, uh, and for him to just be a hilarious person, yet he doesn't smile. Uh, I, I'd say I'd say that Ted was a very, very close second in this. Um, for his, how he enabled Roy yeah. to be a connective self. tissue. Yeah, I, I think Ted is probably the closest he's been all season to winning an episode in this episode because of his 3D chess with Roy. And again, Roy Kent does not do anything that Roy Kent doesn't want to do. Right. Uh, the fact that Ted uh, inspired and enabled him to now uh, rejoin the, the team as a coach. I think was was very very close, probably closer than most people think to to winning the episode. But I mean, Roy's performances just keep. I mean, Brett Goldstein's doing an incredible job with his character. It just keeps getting better and better every single week. And the fact that he threw in the little uh, Nikki Sticks line about you have to date your wife to the to the cab driver out of nowhere is just. I mean, it's just he's gonna he needs to win this Emmy for supporting actor ASAP. Yeah. Agreed. All right, that's it for this episode of The Underdogs. Please connect with us at Pod Underdogs on social media to continue the chat there. And if you'd be so kind as to take 15 seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review, that would mean the world to us. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>